Welcome to the Hearers and Doers podcast. I'm Becky Kaiser, and I'll be the host for this show. Do you need a space where you can show up just as you are? This is your place. Dry shampoo, crying kids, messy house, and barking dogs are all welcome here. Do you need a cheerleader who sees all your amazing potential and unique ways God's called and created you? Done, I'm signing up as captain. I'm a certified life coach and Bible teacher with decades of experience who isn't afraid to tell you the truth you need to hear. Some weeks I'll be sharing practical and encouraging and sometimes correcting shows, and other weeks I'll be introducing you to new and old friends. You ready? Let's go, my friend. Hello, I hope you are doing wonderful today. Today is going to be a little bit different than the rest of the sessions that we're going to have this summer because I wanted to share this teaching session with you that I had done Um, It might have been right at two years ago, and um, I came across it, and I just thought it was was helpful. (laughs) It was was helpful for me to learn this lesson, and I thought you would as well. I take you through, um, excuse me, processing through the life of Joseph, and this story wrecked me in the best possible way two years ago to get to see someone like Joseph who had seemingly everything going for him and he just endured one knock after knock after knock and um you'll see in a later episode we're going to do this summer where I'm still learning from his life we're going to talk about that um but I I hope this teaching is encouraging to you so this is an episode that is part of the um I think it's love God love others series that we have on online women's bible study and um, it's the very first episode. Yeah, love God, others, and yourself. Now, the other thing I want you to know is I'm re- including a month free membership to all of you. So typically you have a whole week to try it out. And I wanted to, for the summer, give you all a month to try it out. So you can use the code hearers and doers. So hearers, H E A R E R S and A N D doers d-o-e-r-s and that will give you a month free to online women's bible study and just you could go in and that then if you want to watch the session and not just listen to the session you can do that um but there's zero pressure obviously to do that but if you go into that series you'll see um that same series is just such a good one to go through because other sessions are um, there's one on body image by Jess Connolly. There's ones on rhythm and restoration with Rachel Joy, a seat at the table with Rachel Wade, prayer with Heidi Weissman, um, staying rooted in seasons of bareness with Alexandra Hoover, living with fearless faith with Tony Collier. Do you love me with Vivian Mabuni? The first miracle with Angie Smith, pursuing racial justice with Melissa Ice, worth the risk with Julia Tucker, God's steadfast love in the wilderness with Lauren Chandler, and then I'll wrap it up for you as well. So it's a great series that I highly recommend. I know so many of us aren't able to be, I just don't have the option to go to Bible study in the summer because our churches don't have it, our groups aren't meeting. And so I hope that you will find these teachings encouraging this summer and um, and you can just pick and choose and watch whichever one you want to watch then. But go to onlinewomensbiblestudy.com, put in the promo code hearers and doers, and you'll get that month um, as a gift from me. And I hope you enjoy this very first teaching and that God shows you that regardless of what's happened in your life, he loves you, he has a plan for you, and there is hope. Don't lose hope, my friend. Okay, I am so glad that you are here. I, I want you to hear that from me a thousand times that It is never lost on me that in the midst of summer and all the craziness of your life, or maybe for many of you, it's not crazy. Your life feels so mundane and ordinary. But I want you to know in the middle of that, I'm proud of you for showing up for this. You could do anything with your time and you, friend, are choosing one of the best things That instead of binging another show on Netflix, instead of scrolling mindlessly on your phone for an hour, you are choosing to dive deep into God's word and to allow him to stir hope within you. This is a good 
thing. And I am proud of you. If you have your Bible, if you're able to grab your Bible, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 37. And we're going to go through many chapters in Genesis tonight. I think actually a total of almost five. Don't worry. We're not going to read all of them. I'm going to actually do more storytelling to summarize this, but I want you to have Genesis 37 open so you can see and that you can go back and reread later. Um, and the reason I'm going to storytell more than read everything is because it's five chapters and we don't have time. But I believe um, as I was praying about kicking off this series and and what, what do we need to talk about, I just felt like Joseph is who we needed to study. And the reason for that is he has been so transformational in my life these past six months. The past two and a half years or so have been some of the hardest in my entire life. Breathtakingly hard at times. I have experienced hurt and betrayal and failure in ways I'd never experienced before. And it nearly took me out. Not took me out and that I almost took my own life, but nearly took me out and that I almost became lifeless, which I think is a danger most our many women struggle with, that we just become puppets in our own life, that we just, just the days bleed into the next day and bleed into the next day. And it's just this rat race that we are stuck in. Almost like that hamster in the ball going nowhere or on that wheel. And I wonder if that's you, that that maybe sometimes life just got so much that you're still moving. You still love God. You still love your people. You still have fun in the midst of your life. But maybe at its core, you've put up so many layers and shells. And and maybe you've stopped trusting God even, even though you trust him. Because of how hurt you have been, life taught you to just layer up. Does that make sense? And that's where I found myself in the middle of this year, just overwhelmed. And a puppet was kind of the best way that I I can give an analogy of how I was feeling of, like I was doing my life. I was doing the things I was supposed to be doing. I, I even felt like I was being obedient to God in many areas and still loving God and still loving people and still loving my people. And yet I felt like a, just a puppet until I read the story of Joseph. And it's like the layers just started peeling off. And all of a sudden, what, what has been so confusing, I see it so much clearer. So my hope, friend, whether you find yourself in a position just like me this past two and a half years, or maybe you were in a position like me three years ago where you didn't see what's about to come coming. Or maybe you're in a position like me today where you have walked through some stuff and you are breathing lightly again. Wherever you are, I know and believe that the reminder of God's great love for you will be a breath of fresh air because his word always is. That's why we study the Bible at Online Women's Bible Study, and we don't just listen to people. So as I said, I'm going to story tell. You might know all about Joseph. You might be someone who has been in church forever and you know everything. That's awesome. I hope that this is just another layer of truth laid on top of truth, laid on top of truth. For some of you, this will be your first time who have really heard the story of Joseph And I'm so excited for you. For all of us, we have something to learn today. So some of the genealogy of um, where did Joseph come from is you have Noah. So most of us know about Noah and the ark. Noah, you go, it was in chapter nine, I believe. Then you go to chapter 10 and 11, you see more genealogy happen. Then you hear about Abram, who was married to Sarah. Abram had Isaac. We know the story of Isaac, what almost sacrificed on um, Mount Moriah. And God provided a ram as an escape. Then Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. And that is a crazy story in and of itself that we're not going to get into today. But we are looking at this son who comes next. So there's Jacob. And then Jacob is where our story picks up. And he has these 12 sons. 
And one of those sons is named Joseph. Now, Joseph wasn't the oldest son who is typically in this culture's favored son because that's who gets the inheritance. But Joseph, while he wasn't the oldest son, he was the favored son. And everybody knew about it. So Joseph was so favored. We learn in verse three, it says, Now Israel, who is Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Anybody have a favorite in their family? Um, because he was a son of his old age and he made him a robe of many colors. Now it's interesting. This is going to be fun for you who grew up in church and have heard about Joseph and his multicolored coat is actually they're, they're realizing in translations that that robe of many colors might have actually meant that the coat might have not been this matters little, but it was interesting to me to learn that the coat actually might have not been many colors, but just might have been a really large coat. And um, it might have actually had these really long, large sleeves. And why that's, a, to me, more interesting than a coat of more many colors is that it's telling the brothers who were shepherds and worked in the field and had all these jobs that you're not just my favorite son, but I'm going to give you a coat that's ridiculous to wear because I don't have expectations of you to do all the work. Your brothers will be doing the work. So here is Joseph with his coat that's swinging around everywhere. And then Joseph, one day, so it says after that, <laughs> all his brothers, they hated him. So as you can only imagine, right, that even if Joseph wasn't bragging in any capacity, you it's still annoying when somebody is favored, right? So here in this story, just so you know, too, Joseph is 17 years old. So I want you to just think like a 17-year-old little brother. He wakes up one day and he said, hey, guess what? To his 11 brothers who already hated him. He said, I had a dream. And then he said that in the dream, the brothers were go bowed down to him and served him. So you can imagine there was these brothers who already hated him. He had this fancy coat while they were working. And now he has this dream that symbolized that the brothers would bow down to their younger brother. And this just made them angry. Verse 11, it says, and his brothers were jealous of him. His brothers were jealous of him. And so here, then we see his brothers, they contrived this plan to kill him. <laughs> A little extreme, right? That they went from, they hated him, they were jealous of him, to the natural thing is we must kill him. Thankfully, they were talked out of it, and instead of killing him, they put him in a pit and then sold him off into slavery. And a couple things I want to pause here to talk about is twofold. Number one, Joseph was called by God. In this vision, this dream that Joseph had, he didn't know what to do. He was 17 years old. He didn't quite know or understand what God was doing here in this dream, that his brothers would one day bow down to him. He naively shared it, but he didn't know what God meant by that or what God was going to ultimately do with that, but he did genuinely have a call from God. And what I want, what I took away here, I even wrote it in the side of my Bible, is even today, others will feel threatened by your dreams. Trust God. His way simply cannot be thwarted. And I just want to remind you, if you in your life have felt called by God, if you have felt seen by God, but others laughed at that or questioned that, that's on them. That is not God. And I want to encourage you that if that caused you to doubt the calling God has put on your life, fight against that. There are things God's going to call us to do that others simply aren't going to understand. There are things God's going to call us to do that other people are going to be threatened by. That's on them. That is not on you. Number two, deal with your anger and hatred and jealousy. What we saw from his brothers, we could look at this story and be like, whoa, <laughs> a bit of an overreaction. But it happened because there were these 11 brothers who hated him. But they hated him because they were so jealous of him. And I think sometimes sin, this is sin, friends, sin like hatred and bitterness and anger and jealousy, 
Those are things that we push down. We don't want anyone to know about that, right? So we shove it down like, just love, just love and forgive. That's not dealing with it. If there are people in your life right now that you hate, that you're angry with, take that to the Lord. Spend some time when this is done processing through that. Get a counselor if you need to. Oh my goodness, I am in and out of counseling constantly. Just this past summer, I had to go with a counselor because there was a situation I needed help with. I had tried prayer. I had tried journaling. I had tried anything you could try. And I wasn't coming to a solution. And simply going to a counselor, a Christian counselor, changed everything. Absolutely everything. Deal with anger and hatred towards others. Jealousy is kind of like the gateway drug to all of that. Jealousy can just start it. And jealousy, man, it happens here a lot. It happens with our everyday friends. It's how I think the enemy is working rampantly in our culture and society today. The man, he slithers up next to us just like he did even the garden. Do you see what she has? See how happy her family is? See how much money they have? See how beautiful she is? See how successful she is? Man, he just puts these things. People that are our dear friends, it can creep up. Deal with your jealousy. Confess it to the Lord and ask him to replace it with love as we're studying love this summer. So for example, one of the things on social media, I can deal with jealousy real fast on social media. And I found the greatest battle to jealousy on social media is when I stop looking at things quickly. When I slow my scrolling down and instead read what people write so I actually know what the post was about and then comment. If they post a picture of themselves working out like they do every other day with their six pack, when I don't clearly have a six pack, instead of shaming myself and being jealous of how toned they are, I celebrate you go girl, way to go. And I find myself motivated by them instead of jealous of them. For someone who has a picture with their kids smiling all the time, I know how hard that is to get that moment <laughs> and how many M&Ms it might've taken. <laughs> I can celebrate with her that she has that moment. For that friend who has signed three book deals since my last book came out, I can celebrate her because I know how much work it took to do that. When we switch from being jealous and deal with it, God can do a work in our heart. Deal with your jealousy. So after that, his brothers sold him into slavery and told their dad that he had died. Joseph at this point is forgotten, completely forgotten. They told their dad that he was dead. Then we have a story just stuck right here in the middle of the story of Joseph from Genesis 38 that's all about Judah and Tamar. And if you want to hear about Judah and Tamar, the perk of online women's Bible studies, you can go back and watch old sessions anytime. The last session of our last series, I taught on Tamar, which I'm going to go ahead and predict you've never heard Tamar taught <laughs> before because it's a hard Hard lesson to teach about her. Um, but if you want to learn about that little chapter we're skipping over today because it's not about Joseph, um, you can go watch the very last session in our last series, More Than Ordinary, where I talk about Tamar. But we are moving right ahead. So Joseph was called by God, called, clearly called by God. And then he was hated by his brothers. And then he was nearly killed. Then he is sold into slavery. And now we see in chapter 39 that he was sold into um, slavery he, of Potiphar, who was an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. Verse 2 of chapter 39 says that the Lord was with Joseph and he became successful man. So here's Joseph now enslaved. But even in, slave, in slavery, it says that the Lord was with Joseph. And I want to point that out to you again and again, because we're going to see this a part of every point of Joseph's story. That even though, man, his life 
it, it was just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. But what we see is that God was with him. And I know for some of you, that's the hardest part. I know some of you struggle to see that God is with you. And I hope by the end of the story that, that that's healed for you a little bit. But I know some of you know God is with you. And it's that he's with you in this and allowing this to happen. That's the hardest thing for you with your faith. And I just, I want to acknowledge that, not skirt over it. I want to acknowledge that. That's something I struggle with all the time. I've shared with you the past two and a half years, I've struggled with that. God, how are you still allowing these things to happen and more things to happen and more things to happen? I don't understand. How are you in this? And why I don't have a nice pretty bow for you with that answer, I do hope the story of Joseph does explain it a little bit. That you know that God is with you right in the midst of it. Fighting and working for your good and for the good of others. I promise that he is. I hate that you're having to walk through hard things or that you've had to walk through hard things or that you will have to walk through hard things. But what I hope you hear by the end of this story is there's a purpose in it. There is. Hang tight, my friend. Now, what's also confusing about this is I think sometimes we can read this and be like, the Lord was with Joseph and he became successful. And I was talking with some women about this a couple months ago. And they were like, it's just amazing like how the Lord's blessing him and the God's with him. And I was like, hold up. Let us not forget that he was enslaved. He had been called by God. He had then been betrayed by his brothers, hated by his brothers, almost killed by his brothers, sold into slavery, and is so far removed from his family. While he is currently successful, he has got to be hurting. And this is not the success that he imagined when God first called him back here, right? So even though we would love to put like a nice smiley emoji on top of this story of like, God's with him. He's making him so successful. He's a slave right now in a culture that is not familiar to him, away from his father who loved him dearly. So far removed from a dream from God, a calling from God that seems impossible now. And now he's enslaved. And while God is with him, thankfully, and while the Lord is blessing his success as a slave, here another hit comes for Joseph. And he is in Potiphar's house, but Potiphar's wife kind of likes what she sees in Joseph. <laughs> And Potter's, Potiphar's wife, it says in verse 10 that day after day, she tempted her him to try to lie down with her, sleep with her, have sex with her. Day after day after day. For two years, he was in Potiphar's house. Finally, there was a time where she was able to trap him and really try to make it happen. And he, of course, said no. She He left his cloak or she grabbed his cloak. And um, because she had his garment, she told everyone that he had raped her. And so now here we have Joseph, who had been greatly called by God, who had been hated by his brothers, almost killed by his brothers, sold off by his brothers, put into slavery, sold into slavery in a land that is not where he is from. Now, even though he had some success, now he is blamed for something that he didn't do. Anyone be, been accused and suffered the pain of something that you actually didn't even do? Anyone think you were somebody or something? Joseph has been there. What happens is then he gets put into prison. So he went from being favored by his dad, called by God, and then the hits. His brothers hated him. They were jealous of him. They wanted to kill him. So they instead, they sold him to slavery. He is in a slave in a man's house, being tempted for two years every day by his wife, accused of something he didn't do, and now in prison for something he didn't do. How far he got from that original call by God. 
So we see here that again, God is with him, that God is making him successful in this job. So even as a prisoner, what I love about Joseph here is, I don't know about you, but man, if this, if this were to happen to me, I'd be like, what? No, I'd be arguing it. I'd be fighting it. I'd be doing everything. Joseph was just, he was so much more patient and wise than I would be in this situation. And so here he is in prison. We see that God steadfast, it says that his debt, first one, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him his steadfast love and gave him favor. Whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. So even in these times, God was with him. God was making things that seems unsuccessful, successful. For me, what I'm learning from this is even what is, seems like a failure is success. Even though these things seem like they're not working out, it is for your victory. It is for your victory, even if it seems like failure. In anyone else's mind, this is a massive step back, right? Slavery was a massive step back from being a favored son called by God to do something great. And then an even greater step back from that is now you're in prison. What? But we also hear that God's making him successful and God is with him and God loves him. These two things are hard for us to reconcile, but I just want you to hear as we are studying love again and again this summer, I hope you hear from the framework of love. God loving you doesn't mean everything works out all the time because there is a great purpose to the pain that Joseph is having to walk through so that what's about to happen can happen. So here he is in prison for many, many years. And all of a sudden, there is this chief cupbearer and this chief baker who are also imprisoned. They're in prison with Joseph because Joseph is so successful in prison and working so hard. He is given access to a lot of people. He proves himself worthy. And these, these two men, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, both have two dreams on the same night. Or they each have a dream on the same night. And... They don't know what it is. And so they ask, they ask, does, does anyone know how to interpret dreams? Nobody does. But then Joseph, I love Joseph here. In chapter 40, verse 8, he says, Do, oh, they said to him, We have had dreams, and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, This is his natural response Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. Joseph had never interpreted a dream. Now he's had a dream before, right? with no interpretation. He's never done this, but the faith Joseph has in God to say, listen, there may not be people who didn't interpret, but God can do absolutely anything. So tell me, let's see if he has an interpretation. Trust God in you to do things you have never done before, to accomplish something God might want to accomplish in your life. All things belong to God. With God, all things are possible. Don't count yourself out just because you've never done it before. Have that same faith that Joseph had. So what's also amazing here is his wild faith. Not only did he have faith that, well, God could probably give an interpretation, I'm sure. Not only did he have that kind of faith to say that, but then he very faith-filled interprets these two dreams. Again, I would have probably skirted around this one, but he didn't. He tells that chief cupbearer, listen, what your dream means is that in three days, you're going to be restored to your position. But then the chief cupbearer or um, baker is like, in three days, you're going to die. That's bold. <laughs> That's like so bold to tell somebody having never interpreted a dream to be like, it's going to work out for you. I would love to interpret that dream. But in the same stance, he's saying, but for you, you're going to die. What faith? And Joseph has said here, verse 14, only this, he says, obviously, just to the cupbearer, only remember me when it is well with you. And please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh and so get me out of this house. I think sometimes we're told in society, we talked about it a little bit in the session about Tamar that I did the last time, is that we're told as women just, be quiet. Trust God. Let him fight for you. Be silent and patient. That that signs saying nothing, doing nothing is we are told is the greatest faith we can have. I just don't agree. 
I think Joseph models for us. We don't always argue and fight and cause an uproar. Sometimes we need to. We see Jesus flipping over the tables. He's not afraid of a good fight. But what we see here is that Joseph was smart. He was so wise in this process, but he he still advocated for himself. So some of you in your jobs, in your families, in your homes, might need to advocate for yourself more than you're advocating. And he said, when you go back, will you remember me? Will you tell Pharaoh? Pharaoh, like the head guy of the land, will you tell him about me? Because I got to get out of here. This isn't where I'm supposed to be. Don't be afraid to fight for what God has called you to. Wise, but not silent. So then we hear verse 23 of chapter 40. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. You see in chapter 41, the very first verse, two whole years pass. Two whole years. I shared with you that it's been two and a half years of just hit after hit after hit after hit. And as I was reading this, it was almost the two-year mark as I was first starting to study this story. And there was something just so healing for me to be like, okay, maybe there are times, years even, we have to wade through where we feel forgotten. We don't know anything about those two years for Joseph. We don't know what they were like. We don't know the details of his day. But we know the summary of it is that he was forgotten. And some of you might feel that way. When you look on your current life or parts of your life in the past that you ache because you feel forgotten by God, by other people. And I hope here in this story that you sense God's hope and purpose and plan that he had to be forgotten for two years. He had to be because of what comes next. Then one day, Pharaoh has a dream. Pharaoh, the the head guy of all the land, has a dream. And it says in verse, end of verse 7, All the magicians and all the wise men had been called forward and no one could give an interpretation. No one. They had called every capable, competent person. No one could help. No one. And then he was remembered. For two years, the cupbearer had forgotten him. And man, I would have been mad at that cupbearer. But the truth is the Lord had to block that memory because if at any other point the cupper had said, if you're a handle guy who interpreted my dream, it wouldn't have had the impact it was about to have. The world wasn't ready for it yet. And so then the cupper is like, I know who can help you. And he tells them about Joseph and he tells them what happens. And they pull Joseph from prison, clean him all up. And he goes before Pharaoh. They brought him, it says verse 14, then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they quickly brought him out of the pit. My friend, if you feel stuck in a pit, God is coming for you. God is coming for you. Don't give up. Don't hunker down. Don't dig deeper. God is coming for you. And it said um, that he had a dream and then Joseph asked if he could interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Joseph constantly went back to listen. This isn't me. It's God. And then he went forward to boldly again interpret this dream. So he told Pharaoh, listen, you've had these two dreams and you're right. You're right about them. But what they are going to reveal, what these dreams mean is that for seven years, things are going to go pretty good. But after those seven years, they're going to go terribly and there will be a great famine in all of the land. 
So he tells Pharaoh those two things. You've had two dreams and these both confirm this is what's about to happen. Things are going to go pretty good for the next seven years. But those next seven years, not so great. And then we see him not just reveal the dream, but we see him speak into Pharaoh in this situation. So we have this guy, Joseph, who was called by God, had a dream from God, was favored by his father, then hated by his brother so much that he was almost killed, then sold into slavery instead. Then for every day that he was in slavery, he was also tempted, then wrongly accused, then imprisoned, and then forgotten. And then he comes to Pharaoh with the boldness and the faith to interpret this dream. And then he says, hey, hey, let me give you some advice. You're going to want to put somebody in charge over this because this is going to be a whole thing. For seven years, you're going to need to save back some food so that for those seven years of famine, you have something for all your people. And this is what Pharaoh says. There is no, verse 39, there is none so discerning and wise as you. You shall be over all my house, then over all my land. And he gave him one in marriage to one of his daughters. It said, Joseph also, or the Pharaoh also said that the, you will only be second to me by the throne. That Joseph acknowledged that this man, Joseph, who in his mind, was a prisoner who had been enslaved before that. That's really all they knew about Joseph. They didn't know his story. But Pharaoh saw and said, you will be second to me. The only thing that separates us is the throne. As a way of acknowledging like we, you and I know there is something about you, about the God in you so special that it's only because I sit on a throne that, that I will appear greater. And then we see this all happen. So Joseph was pulled out of this and he starts to work. And for seven years, he's setting things aside and he stored up grain in great abundance. And then he has these children and then the famine began. And here we know that at least 20 years have now passed. So he went from being a 17-year-old kid to a 37-year-old kid. I want you to think about the difference in your life. I'm 39 when I think about the 17-year-old version of myself, that's a lot of time that has passed. A lot of time has passed. And what faith Pharaoh put in this man, because for seven years, nothing seemed different. Nothing seemed different. They were actually just storing up because Joseph interpreted this dream to be that things were going to get bad in seven years. What faith. What faith God had in Joseph at the right time, at the right place. Because what we see here now is that there was a famine. And then we see Joseph's brothers come to him. But even more than the story of Joseph's brothers coming to him, which we'll get to in just a second, the greatest story in all of this is how much God loved Joseph, even in his hardship, even in all the things that kept happening to him. Again, and again and again, being betrayed, being accused of something he had never done, being hated, people being jealous of him, being enslaved, being in prison, being tempted, being forgotten. That just kept happening to Joseph. And what blew my mind about this story, what changed it for me, is when I got to this part of it and I realized it had to happen. It had to happen. All this had to happen for, for the world to be helped. If Joseph had just stayed his daddy's favorite, he would have been successful. He would have done okay. He would have still been totally hated by his brothers. He would have done pretty good. God had greater for him. But the only way for Joseph to get to second to Pharaoh, that he could have never done. Here is daddy's favorite. Could have never gotten him to second to only Pharaoh. It could have never happened without these other parts also happening. 
And while we hate the pain and we hate the suffering and it is brutal to walk through, there are times in our life that God just has to pull us back and pull us back and pull us back and pull us back until we're like an arrow on a bow where we have been pulled back so much he's ready to send us flying. What we see here with Joseph is, man, he just got one hit after another, after another, after another, after another. But God used all of it for good. Romans 8, 28 is something that we quote a lot of times to people when they're struggling and suffering. It says that God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And we use that as a way to comfort people. And I've been told that man so many times in the past two and a half years during all this. And truly, (laughs) most days, I'd be like, yeah, you're right. And inside, I'm like, I want to slap you. (laughs) Please tell me it's not just me. Where they're just like, sometimes life is just so hard or messed up that you're like, that brings me no comfort because I don't believe it right now or I don't feel it right now. And I don't want this right now. But what we see here, friend, is that God had to do these things to get him to where he was going. It it just had to happen. What we see then moving into this story is his brothers came to him, not knowing who he was, and they asked for food. And we see just a few different times he tests them and goes after them and all this has happened and he's weeping because, man, what pain he had carried for 20 plus years. And now his brothers were literally bowing down to him just as God had revealed 20 years prior. His brothers bowed down to him and begged him for food. And they rec- he recognized them, but they did not recognize that him. And finally, in chapter 45, it says, actually before that, in other parts, that he was able to help all the land. That It wasn't just Egypt that he helped, but it started spreading because the famine was that severe that because he was faithful to God, because he ended up where he ended up, he was able to not just help himself, but to help those around him and to end up helping his family His brothers, when he finally in chapter 45 of Genesis revealed himself to his brothers, he started weeping aloud. And that was that deep guttural, like, like deep crying. And they were so embarrassed and not sure what was going to happen. And in verse five, he said, Well, let's start at verse four. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near and he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Can you even imagine what their faces must have been in that moment? And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years and there has yet to be five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. Wow. Like I said earlier, I I would just not reply that way. <laughs> if I saw my brothers be like, guess who I am? Who's laughing now, right? Like I I feel like there's something in me that just so would not have replied that way. But what Pharaoh, not what Pharaoh, what Joseph is able to see is his brothers hated him. They were angry with him. They were jealous of him. They wanted to kill him. And they settled with selling him off into slavery. He had been in slavery, in prison, for 20, he was actually, it was for 15 years. And now here he is, and he has a chance to vindicate himself. And he can, do, he's second in command. He could do anything he wants to, to these brothers. Anything. And what Joseph realizes, that I hope you realize is, is he's able to say to his brothers, listen, You might have thought you did this, 
but you didn't. The Lord did it. God, it says, but God, it wasn't you that made this happen, but God did it. I know there's things that's happened in your life that you don't see God's love in. You don't see how that very common faith wrestling question we all ask, if a loving, if God is love, how could he allow this? I don't know. I honestly, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that specifically in every context. But my hope for you today is that maybe you can kick off your summer, your summer 11 series, and see that God loves you so much that he has allowed these things to happen so that he could put you at the right place at the right time, ready to do your right thing. Will you do it? Will you show up there? Joseph could have sulked in prison. He could have said, this is too hard. This has been too much. And no one would blame him. No one would have blamed him for that. But instead he saw and knew God was with him. Even if there is nothing that could have made him feel like God was with him, life circumstances would prove quite otherwise, actually. But he kept going. And because he kept going, God gave him these moments of success. And it brought him to where he is now. My friend, your life is not an accident. Where you are right this minute is intentional. Your God is with you. Your God loves you deeply so much that he has allowed certain things to happen, to pull you back, to pull you back, to set you back so that you can fly. That's what he wants for you. That's his heart and his hope for you. Can you see the but God in your story? Can you embrace this love that he has given you by not allowing certain things to happen or by allowing other things to happen? But those things, those failures, those pains, those hurts, they don't have to be setbacks. What Joseph was able to see is, for God sent me before you to preserve life and God sent me before preserve for your remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. So that person that hurt you, maybe God really allowed it because he knew you needed to walk through that to get the strength you have for what's coming. Maybe God allowed this marriage to fail or this relationship to fail and that betrayal to happen because of what he has coming for you. Maybe that diagnosis has persisted or that person has been lost. I, I don't even like saying it, as you can see, like maybe he's allowed it for what's coming. I don't understand. Clearly, <laughs> clearly I'm in the midst of this story, wrestling through it with you. But what I feel like I have to share as we kick off this little series on love is God loves you no matter what. And his love is so intentional that he is allowing some of these things because of what he wants to do in your life. I hope you let him. I hope you can shift your perspective a little bit to see that these things have to happen for this other thing to happen. Because it didn't just change Pharaoh, Joseph's life. It didn't just change his brother's life or Pharaoh's life or Egypt's life. It said that he kept alive many survivors. What if it's bigger than just you? What if it's not just about God doing something with your life? What if what he's doing in your life isn't just about you? But it's about your family about your coworkers and your community. Maybe for some of you, the world is who you are intended to impact. Maybe it's just your world. That detail doesn't matter. But I want you to know 
it's not just about you. God's love is so great that the things he allows in our lives aren't just for us, both the good and the bad things. It is to impact others. I hope you are encouraged by this. I hope it brings healing and hope if you've been through hard things. I hope you're reminded that God's love for you is so great. Let's pray. I want you to open your hands back up again in your lap, and I want you to ask God to help you to see how this story overlaps with your story. Ask him to give you a vision right now to show you how the two connect. I want you to ask God to show you to show you where the but God part of your story is coming from. What is he doing? Ask him to give you just a glimpse of what he's doing or done. James 1.22 in the ESV says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Or the message translation says it even more bluntly. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener when you are anything but. Letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. This podcast is called Hearers and Doers because that's the kind of people we are committing to becoming. Women or men who choose to not just hear what is true, but actually live it out in our day-to-day lives. I'd love to hear your big takeaways from today's episode. Would you share them? Post them on social media and be sure to tag me at Becky Kaiser. And if you love today's episode, don't forget to give it an awesome review because that helps others find the show too. And you can always text the link to friends so they don't miss it either. Hope you have an awesome rest of your day, my friend. Love you so.